We'll invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 will be in verses 37 through 47. That's our focal passage this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, hopefully you can find a chair Bible somewhere around you. Um, we're going to be on page um, 910 this morning. Page 910. Um, Acts 2, starting in verse 37. You listen as I read God's word this morning. Acts 2, starting in verse 37. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What a great passage about the early Christian church. It's a, it's a snapshot, if you will, of what a committed church looks like. Commitment. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Commitment. In this culture, commitment seems to be a vanishing virtue. Now, we are committed, but I think we're committed as long as that commitment brings us happiness. Right? We're committed to our jobs as, as long as that job is, is making us happy. We're committed to our friends as long as those relationships are bringing us joy and happiness. We're committed to our marriages as long as that marriage is making me happy. And the same can go for churches, right? We're committed to a church as long as that church keeps putting a smile on my face. Here's the definition of commitment. An agreement or pledge to do something in the future. Now notice what is missing from that definition. <laughs> there's, there's no mention of if you're happy, right? An agreement or pledge to do something in the future if you're happy. Commitment requires a, a loyalty in the highs and the lows of life. It, it, it requires a devotion, a dedication in the good times and the bad times. About four months ago, this church adopted a, a new constitution and bylaws. And this, this document really sets out how we as a church are, are to, to function. How, how they, they guide us in how we're to operate. But importantly, this new constitution includes a church covenant. 
Hopefully you found this on your chair. I don't know how you could miss it. Bright, hot pink. This is our church covenant. And the church covenant explains what it means to be a member of this church. Essentially, this is an agreement or a pledge to be committed to the Lord and to this church. Now, since this is fairly new, for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this covenant, our covenant. And we'll be examining our commitments. And we'll be looking at how the Bible informs and and supports this covenant, our covenant. And so this morning, we'll be looking at the first paragraph. Listen to what it says there. It says, having been led... As we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with God and one another as one body in Christ. This first paragraph here really sets the foundation for all of our commitments in the church. It explains why we're making these commitments. And namely, we're making these commitments because God has moved. That's an amazing thing. God has moved. He has led us to do so. You see, what we need to come to terms with is we are not self-made men and women. We're not. God has changed us by his amazing grace. God has moved and saved us. This is the foundation for all of our commitments. It all starts with God's gracious action. Something mysterious and miraculous has happened in each one of us. This is explained in our our focal passage in Acts 2. Although at first glance it may, may seem otherwise. Look again at verses 37 and 38. It says, now when they heard this, Peter's sermon, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. At first glance here, it looks like salvation is something we accomplish. What are we to do? But something prompted that inquiry. That inquiry didn't just come out of thin air. Verse 37, it says, when they heard, when they had heard the gospel, when they heard the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, they were cut to the heart. They didn't cut themselves. You see, this is an important aspect. They didn't cut themselves. They didn't hear that and say, you know what? I need to be convicted by this. They're not self-made men and women. No, God is the one who cuts them to the heart. God uses Peter's message of the truth of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, the gospel, to bring conviction, to bring a a heart kind of felt conviction over their sin. This is God's action. This is God's 
moving. And God's action in salvation is confirmed in other verses in this passage. Look at verse 39. It says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And then verse 41. Look at verse 41. It says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day 3,000 souls. Salvation is ultimately God's work. God saves. God adds. God calls. And I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thankful. Because if it was up to me, I would mess it up. But God is perfect in all of his ways. And he is the one who is active. He is the one who moves, who calls, who adds, who saves, who changes us. And so this is the foundation. It's the foundation of, of all we do. And, and what we see here is that we have a response to God's action. We have a response to God's calling us, to God convicting us, to God's work. And that response is faith and repentance. We are to repent and believe. We turn from sin and live in allegiance to a new Master, a new Lord, and his name is Jesus Christ. We trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins. Not in our works, not in the good things we do, not in coming to church. We trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, we receive Christ. This is a way we talk about it in the church. We receive Christ as the treasure. We we believe that he is our Savior and our Lord, and we submit our lives to him. This is how John says it in his gospel. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. They were born of God. Those who believed, God has moved in them. There's been some action by the holy divine God to bring about birth, what we call rebirth, new birth, being born again. See, and that's what we're doing here. We recognize that God has moved in us, that he saved us, that he's caused us to, to respond with repentance and, and belief and, and, and to place our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's why our covenant says what it says. Look again at our covenant. It says, having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. This is foundational. It's foundational to every church. And so I wonder this morning, has God done a work in you? Has he moved you? Has he convicted you of your sins? Has he, has he let the scales fall from your eyes such that you see that, that you need a Savior? See, that is God's work. Has God changed your heart? And have you responded in repentance and faith? Have you, being led by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God, have you received 
the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. See, that's the foundation of everything we do here. That is the absolute ground of everything. Salvation in no other name than Jesus Christ. That's an incredible response, right? When God moves, we don't just kind of respond a little. The response is repentance. You know what that word means? It means a change of mind that leads to a change in direction. It's like as we were going down a road, and, and that road was, was washed out, and we didn't know it, and, and we began seeing danger signs that say, stop, turn around, or you will die. And, and repentance is seeing those signs, and our mind is now changed. Okay, if I continue down this direction, I will surely perish. So I must turn and go the other way. That, folks, is repentance. And that is the response to when God convicts you and moves you and saves you. What an incredible response. But there's a second response here. And it's baptism. These verses also mention Baptism. Look again at verse 38. It says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism does not save you. If that were the case, then the, the most loving thing I could do was say, Next week, everyone wear your bathing suit. And I'm going to run everyone through the baptistry next week. If baptism saved you, that would be the most loving thing I could do, right? If baptism was really about saving people, then, then I should run everyone through. Every one of us. Because otherwise I'm saying, I don't care if you're baptized, you go to hell. But baptism doesn't save us. God saves us. We're back to God's action, folks. This is God, divine, holy, perfect in all his ways. And he is the one who saves. So what is baptism? Well, baptism is a visible expression of God's gracious action. It shows us what is true of us as believers. We have died and we have been raised to live in a new way. We have repented. Right? We were headed down the path of death and destruction. We were going to be left under the waters of God's wrath. But God raised us up and now we walk in a new way. That's what baptism pictures. And it's a way we respond to God and his miraculous works. After trusting in Christ, we confess. We make known our faith by baptism. We proclaim it to the world. And this is exactly what happened in Acts 2, the early church. Look again at verse 41. It says, So those who received his word, now again, received there means they believed it, they, they understood it, it caused a reaction in them to, to repent. Those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day 3,000 souls. What an incredible day! Of baptisms. <laughs> how long did that take? See, how do we respond to God's miraculous and mysterious work? 
Well, first we respond with repentance. We respond with faith. We receive Christ. We, we trust and submit to him. And secondly, we respond with baptism. Indeed, Jesus commanded us to do this. Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's why our covenant says what it says. Look again at our covenant. It says, Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is talking about God's movement and our response. When, when God moves in a heart, when he convicts, when he brings about new life, then, then we repent and we believe and we follow him in baptism. It's a step of obedience. You might be saying, well, what about verse 40? <laughs> what about verse 40, Colin? Look at verse 40. It says, And with many other words, he, Peter, bore witness and continued to extort, exhort them. Not extort. Exhort. <laughs> I don't think the Bible ever calls us to extort anyone. <laughs> exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Save yourself? I thought you said God did the saving. What's going on here? Is Peter contradicting himself? At, at one moment, he's saying salvation is the work of God. It's dependent on God's calling. It's dependent on God's action. And then in the very next statement, he's saying, save yourselves. Well, what I want you to notice here is Peter did not say, save yourself from God's wrath. Peter didn't say, save yourself from the penalty of sin or save yourself from hell. What does he say? He says, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Peter is pointing to the fact that, that a believer, one who has responded to, to God's action with repentance and baptism, they are to change their commitments. Their commitments are no longer the same. When, when God does a work in us and we respond in faith and in obedience, then our commitments must change. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, okay, if you have believed, if you have repented, and if you've been baptized, now save yourselves from this crooked generation. What he's saying is we must change our commitments. We no longer hang with the same group of people. We have changed our commitments. That's exactly what the rest of the passage says here. It's really a third response. A believer is no longer aligned with the world. Our commitments are no longer to the crooked generation. Worldly commitments. A believer is to join with other believers. He's to be committed to other believers. When someone trusts in Christ and submits their lives to following him, they don't stay on their own they join a family. That's incredible. God does a work. We respond in, in faith and repentance and baptism. And then God says, oh, by the way, I'm going to put other believers around you so we can all grow together. Isn't that an amazing truth? 
That's how God has intended it. And in fact, your commitment to the church is another visible expression of your commitment to Christ. The same way baptism is. It's a response, right? And baptism says, you know, my allegiance is now to Jesus. Well, the way you are committed to church is also a visible expression of your commitment to Christ. If you're like, eh, if something else better comes along, that's fine. I'll do that. Then that is showing your commitment to Christ. It goes hand in hand. It's how the first believers reacted. On this day when... Peter preached, they repented, they were baptized, and they had new commitments. Look at verses 42 and 43. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. These first believers were committed to several things. They were committed to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean? Well, they were committed to knowing the way of Jesus. They were committed to knowing how Jesus wanted them to act and respond in their culture. They were committed, in other words, to God's word. They were committed to the fellowship. They were committed to pursuing relationships, for loving one another and caring for one another. They were committed to the breaking of bread. It's most likely a reference to the Lord's Supper, communion, an act of worship. They were committed to to coming together and and worshiping the Lord. I appreciate what James said this morning. It's so true. It's not individual. We're not coming and individually worshiping. We're coming together and worshiping together. It's so important that they were breaking the bread. They were committed to that. And they were committed to the prayers. They were committed to praying for one another. And they were committed to praying with one another. Now, over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to touch on these specific commitments because they are laid out in our covenant. They are they're emphasized in our covenant. They're explained in our covenant. But I want you to notice this morning the core of what the church was about. They were together. They were together. Yeah, they were committed to the word. They were committed to prayer. They were committed to worship. They were committed to loving one another, but they were committed to each other. They were together. Look at verses 44 through 47. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were doing life together. That word is so important. Together. There was a true concern for one another. 
Even so that they were selling their things. If someone had a need, they're like, you know what? I'll sell this so that I can help you with that need. That's, that's, that's a togetherness. That's a, we're in this together. They were together and studying God's word. What is this? They were going to the temple together. There was a, a bond, a unity, and that bond and unity was squarely in Jesus Christ. It didn't matter what they spoke, what language they spoke. It didn't matter what, what status they had in the world. It didn't matter what they looked like. It mattered that they trusted Jesus Christ. And because of that bond, they were together. They were sharing life. They were helping each other. They were investing in one another. That's the response that God calls us to. When he moves and changes a heart, then we are to respond. We're to respond in faith, repentance, baptism, and joining together with other believers. Joining together in a family. Paul describes it this way, as a body. Romans 12, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. What an incredible picture, right? We have fingers we have toes, we have knees, and they all have different functions. But they work together in harmony, in unity. They work together for the good of the body. <laughs> Ever notice that? I noticed that the first time when I went to a chiropractor. He's like, you know what, you're, you're walking like this. It's because your body is trying to help you out. Because your back is messed up and so your, your head and your arms are trying to adjust so that you'll get back into a line. You see, our bodies work together for the good of the body. There's unity. There's harmony. That's why our covenant says what it says. Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, in the presence of God and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with God and one another as one body in Christ. We are together we are committed to being a family, as to being united in one body in Jesus Christ. So here's the question that you must answer. Are you committed to Christ's body? Are you committed? Because if you're not, then we invite you to join with us. Come and follow Jesus together with us. Link arms because we want you to walk with us together.
Now, maybe you're already a member. And so the question then, are you as committed as you should be? What does your commitment to the church show about your commitment to Jesus Christ? Are you committed? Are you really with us? Are you really together? Maybe it's a renewed commitment this morning. Maybe you're like, you know what? I need to renew my commitment to the body of Christ. Everything starts with God's gracious action. Oh, how gracious he is to move to change us, to call us, to guide us and to lead us so that we respond with repentance, so that we respond with obedience and baptism, and so that we respond in coming together as a body, as a family, together united for the cause of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the reminder this morning of your provision, God, that you have provided a body to which we are to join and be united so that we can function in our different ways, God, with our different gifts and our different talents, God, that we can be used for the, for the glory of our great Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we can be used for the good of this body. God, I pray that if there are some here that aren't committed, God, today, they would be drawn to being committed to this church. God, they would, they would see the togetherness that you call us to through the bond of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you have saved us and that we have faith not faith in us, not faith in our works, but faith in the work of Jesus Christ. On the cross, his death and his resurrection that gives us true life. God help us. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You'd stand. James is going to lead us in some closing